good morning, Journey. Great to see you. Hope you have a good week and are having a good weekend. Uh, This is uh, part of the Grow series. And, uh, you know, this series has the shortest intro of any series I've ever seen. At my age, I've got to almost run up here. I get winded before I start talking. I mean, it's just so quick. I'm going to make a recommendation that they lengthen this thing out so I can get here. Good to see you. Today, the fruit of the Spirit, from Galatians chapter 5, verses 22, 23, the fruit of the Spirit is faithfulness. So a lot of things change in our lives and in our world. Um, I was just back to Epping, North Dakota with my wife to my 50th high school reunion. And I tell you, a lot of things change. Uh, everyone in my graduating class is still alive. All 12 of us. <laughs> when we moved to Billings some years ago, our daughter started her freshman year at senior, and there was 700 students in her class. So we're all 12 still there. And stuff changes. Uh, every so often, I, I go to London and... Uh, used to stay at a place on Tottenham Court Road. And a couple of blocks down from the hotel, if you take a right, there was this little plaza, and you'd walk through these pillars, and there was a series of little shops, and one of the shops was Natalie's Chocolate. Well, we have a daughter named Natalie, so anytime I was in London, I would walk down the street, go to that little plaza, and go to Natalie's Chocolates, and buy a small box of chocolates, and they'd put this little sticker on it, Natalie's Chocolates, and I'd bring it home. It says, it's your chocolates. And then one year, I stayed there, and I walked down to that little plaza, and I went to that little storefront, and it was closed. I looked through the window, and all there were just big boxes in there. I thought, oh, it's a sense of loss. So then I started staying at the Grosvenor house on the end of uh, Hyde Park. Next to the Hyde Park is Kensington Gardens. And I'm kind of a creature of habit. And so after I'd get there and check in and shower up, I'd take a walk through Hyde Park and Kensington Gardens, and I'd walk to the Albert Memorial. And then right behind the Albert Memorial is this long little meandering, what I call flower walk, a walkway with beautiful trees, manicured lawns, and all kinds of flowers. And I just walk on that uh, walkway and... uh, And then I'd go down to Kensington High Street, take a right, and one block off Kensington High Street was Harrington's Antiquarian Bookshop. You'd walk in there, and there would just be this smell of all these leather volumes, musty, some of them worth the value of my house. And uh, one day I turned that corner, and there was a realty store. No! And so, even with the news, all this change, but in order to navigate our life, there have to be things in our life that are unchangeable, things that are like anchors, and faithfulness has to do with that reality. Now, the fruit of the Spirit is not the consequence of some self-willed discipline program for improvement. 
The fruit of the Spirit is the outgrowth of a healthy relationship with Jesus Christ. Because as Chris Townley so beautifully put it last week, we receive the fruit from the Lord, for those are his traits. We possess and experience them, and then we give them out to other people. Secondly, the the trait of faithfulness was important to the audience that was receiving these words because the early church was under opposition, persecution, risk, and loss. And they needed to know that the God they served was faithful and dependable. And they needed to know that the person they sat next to was faithful and dependable. And they needed resolve and stability in their own life to navigate the, un, the changing world that they were living in because they were believers in Christ. 1 Corinthians 4.2 says, It is required that those who have been given a trust that they must prove faithful. It is required of those who have been given a trust that they must prove faithful. So there's uh, three meanings of the word faithfulness in the New Testament. We're just going to look at those quickly this morning. The first is that faithfulness is living as a responsible person. It means I'm thorough. It means if I'm given a responsibility or a trust, I will see it through to the end, even if I encounter unexpected adversity, changing circumstances, or difficulties that I had not thought of that I am still faithful and I will see it through because I am a responsible person. Jesus said to his father, I have completed all that you gave me to do. And on the cross, some of those last words of Jesus was, it is finished. I have finished this work. After my second year of uh, Bible college, I went home And I got a job at a uh, farm north of Epping, North Dakota. I worked for Clarence Erickson. He had two hired guys, me and Henry Halseth. And uh, we spent the summer there. Now, I'm not mechanically inclined. That means that uh, if I bought a table that had to be assembled and I followed the directions, there would still be wood left for firewood. I don't know, it just doesn't, doesn't come together for me. Well, on the farm, that meant that often, because Henry, Henry Helseth was great with equipment, there were often jobs I would get that were not pleasant jobs. At the end of the summer, Clarence said, I'll tell you what I appreciate about you working for me. It didn't matter what job I gave you. You never grumbled or complained. You just went out and you did it, and you did it until it was finished. And so he asked me to clean out the uh, stalls in the barn and the small corral outside of the barn. It didn't occur to me to complain or to be irritated because I worked for him. And that was part of being responsible. I grew up that way. And I've tried to instruct my family that way. So all families have uh, characteristics that are part of their family culture. And I've tried to help my family become be responsible. So, for example, to see things through to the end, uh, we have two sons and they both married. Uh, When Nathan married Laura, Laura was from Minnesota, and uh, when uh, they got engaged, I sent her a questionnaire. 
and I had questions on it like, uh, are you a Vikings fan? <laughs> Question number two, do you like pickled herring? Mine last, my mother's maiden name was Ingebrigtsen. Says, do you like pickled, pickled herring? Question mark. No, really. Do, do you actually like it? And uh, there were like 15 or 20 questions. Laura sent all those back. Nolan married Brianne. Well, Brianne lived in Springfield, Illinois, and she hadn't met our family much. And so I sent her a letter, and I said, uh, Brianne, you don't know us very well, so I'm going to just tell you a little bit about us. Here's one of the things about us. We are not a three strikes and you're out kind of family. If you make a mistake or you mess up, you will discover we don't move. We stand with you. And we'll continue to stand with you. We are not a three strikes and you're out kind of family. We are responsible. Faithfulness is living as a responsible person. It's being thorough. If you want an example of that, uh, you can read the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah had a very influential uh, position in a foreign country. Cupbearer to the king, well trusted. One day, refugees came through that area from, uh, from Jerusalem. And uh, he, he asked them, hey, uh, how are things back in Jerusalem? They said, they're, they're not well. The walls are broken down. We are being taken advantage of from others. People are discouraged. The Bible says that Nehemiah was so burdened by what he heard that he determined that it was God's call for him to return to Jerusalem and rebuild the walls. And so he got permission from his ruler. He gathered lumber and other things that would be needed to rebuild the wall and he returned to Jerusalem. But it did not go well. He found that not everybody else was happy about these walls being rebuilt. And so there were enemies that threatened from outside, external enemies. Then he found that the people working for him on rebuilding the wall, they didn't get along. And so there was internal conflict. And then on top of that, he was personally attacked. But scripture tells us that Nehemiah stayed to the task and when once called, come down and parley over all of this, he said, I will not come down from the wall. And he completed the rebuilding of the wall of Jerusalem because he was responsible and he was thorough. We are called to be that. The Bible says, endure hardness as a good soldier. And so you and I can experience that thoroughness, that responsibility from the Lord, and we can extend that out towards other people as a faithful person. Here's a second one. Faithfulness is living as a steadfast person. That means I'm immovable, that when faced with difficulty or adversity, I will not budge. Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. And the Bible tells us, that he is pleading with his father. He sees what's ahead, the cross and death and the sin of the world, and he pleads with his father, and he says, if there's any way, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours. 
and he set himself towards the cross. When I was a teenager, I asked my father once, uh, I said, do you have any friends that no matter what happened, they would stick with you? He said, yep, Uncle Carl. Uncle Carl lived about a mile and a half uh, down the gravel road. Uncle Carl. He didn't even stop. He didn't think. He didn't pause. Uncle Carl. In effect, he was saying, Uncle Carl was an immovable friend. He would never alter his disposition towards my father, no matter what happened. Just in the Civil War, just before the Battle of Cold Harbor, at the Battle of Cold Harbor, 7,000 Union troops fell in 15 minutes. It was the fastest slaughter in all of the Civil War. And just before the Battle of Cold Harbor, General Grant said, if you see the president, tell him, whatever happens, there will be no turning back. Lincoln later on, using a metaphor of card playing, said, I shall not surrender the game, leaving any available card unplayed. There will be times, because the Bible says in this world you will have tribulation, there will be times of tribulation, and in those times of tribulation, God wants you to find him immovable. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world, and he wants to give you and I the capacity to be immovable. Uh, when, I was, uh, when I was 12, my mom ran over my head with a car. And uh, I like to think it was an accident. <laughs> so, farm situation. Uh, I used to joke about it. She never liked to joke about it because it knocked me unconscious. And so um, I fell off the front fender. We were out getting cows. So we were driving as fast as cows walk in the in the field next to the house and somehow I ended up under the car and I remember the front passenger tire going over this arm and then something pushed my head down and that was the back tire going up over my head. And uh, so she thought she had killed me and she was laying there with me and, but I just had a mild concussion. But late, later on they found that it had, uh, it, had, it had moved the cartilage in my nose and so I had to go have uh, surgery on my nose. So I can actually push my nose flat. I won't do it this morning. But uh, my kids loved it when they were six and seven. <laughs> and so I went to a hospital in Minot, North Dakota. And while I was in there, our pastor, a former pastor, George Brown, now an elderly man, was in there to see his wife. His wife was dying of bone cancer. It was slowly eating away the bone around her spinal cord, and she was in constant, excruciating pain, the kind of pain that no drug can deal with. And while I was laying there, after my surgery, he came down to the ward I was in. Uh, but this time I was about 14 and he said these words, which I've never forgotten. No one knows what a friend we have in Jesus until a time like this. He was experiencing the immovable God. The kind of God where E. Stanley Jones says we are part of an unshakable kingdom regardless of what's happening. 
And if I'm faithful, as God is faithful, I'm living as a steadfast person, immovable in the midst of any circumstance that comes. Then there's a third. Faithfulness is living as a dependable person. I am consistent. God is the same, the Bible tells us, yesterday, today, and forever, ever. Uh, I, was a, I was a Milwaukee Braves fan. Always uh, loved Hank Aaron. Now, now, everybody in North Dakota were Minnesota Twins fans because the Twins was the closest team. But if you weren't a Twins fan, the next closest team were the Milwaukee Braves. And one of the highlights of my uh, childhood was at 16, my dad took me and my brother to a doubleheader on a Sunday to Chavez Ravine, Dodger Stadium, where the L.A. Dodgers played the Milwaukee Braves. And I got to see Hank Aaron and Eddie Matthews and Warren Spahn, the great, great players that are in the Hall of Fame today. Um, Hank Aaron broke Babe Ruth's record before the performance-enhancing drugs hit 755 home runs. He never hit more than 47 home runs in a year. Just year in and year out, 32, 36, 38, 34, 39. But over the years, that consistency built up until he ended up with 755. Consistency is not perfection. So Hank Aaron struck out sometimes, but you could count on him every year for a certain kind of production. But consistency matters. I am looking for a surgeon who does not use the word, whoops. <laughs> the Bible tells us that this God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, in the midst of the fallen world we live and fallen people who see through a glass darkly, I need that kind of God. And as I experience that, I can become that kind of person you look in the scriptures and you find Joseph. It didn't matter where Joseph was at. He was consistent in how he looked at life. As a young boy, he was serving his father. It had alienated his brothers and so they betrayed him and sold him into slavery. And he got into Egypt and he became the ruler of Potiphar's house. And he was serving Potiphar. Potiphar's wife lied about him. He was thrown in jail. And so he started serving the warden while he was in jail. Not only the warden, he began to serve his fellow prisoners. After interpreting a dream for Pharaoh, he began to serve Pharaoh. And as the prime minister for Pharaoh, when his brothers showed up again in the midst of a drought, he began to serve his brothers. It didn't matter the situation he was in. He carried with him a sense of service and of mercy. That was his life message. And you and I, while we're trying to do all kinds of other things, while we live our lives, our lives are developing a message. And that was his life message. He was dependable. He was consistent regardless of the place that he found himself in. I was chatting with someone uh, recently and he was talking about his dad. He said, my dad, uh, my dad said, what? let's go fishing this week. And uh, he thought that was always exciting except he said, my dad was an alcoholic. And so that only happened about one every 10 times my dad would say it. You can know certain people and to know them is like walking through a, a minefield because you never know from one day to the next what kind of person they're going to be. Are they going to be angry, 
bitter, vindictive, kind, gracious, pleasant. They just, there's always this smoldering volcano. Faithfulness is living as a dependable person, consistent. The Lord wants us to experience all those from him so that we can release those traits to others. So let's finish by contemplating briefly the power of a faithful person. The the power of a faithful person. In the late 1400s, William Tyndale was born. And though this story starts in the 1400s, In reality, what I'm going to talk about impacts every one of us in this room today. So in the late 1400s, William Tyndale is born. He goes to Oxford University. He gets his degree and he becomes an ordained priest. And he begins to minister and preach the gospel. But he has a great burden on his heart. And that is that the that the scriptures are not in English and people cannot read them for themselves. And so he begins to translate the Bible. That was a dangerous task because it was illegal. He soon was under pressure in England. He fled to Germany. He sought the counsel of Martin Luther. He began to live in Cologne and continued to translate scriptures there. And then moved to the city of Worms. Eventually he had finished the New Testament. He had it printed and and ready to distribute. But the authorities in Cologne where he had been living passed a law that they could not be printed or distributed. So now he was breaking the law again. 3,000 copies were printed. Almost all of them were confiscated before they even reached England. Today, three copies are left. Only one complete copy of William Tyndale's translation of the Bible. Though though facing constant threat and opposition, he continued to translate the scriptures. Eventually, in Brussels, he was betrayed by a friend. He was imprisoned. Thomas Cromwell appealed to the king, Henry VIII. Henry VIII didn't like William Tyndale. He did not intercede, and Tyndale was burned at the stake. But today, thousands of words and phrases that we use were first used in Tyndale's translation of the Bible. One of the greatest literary works in all of English language is the King James Version of the Bible translated in 1611. The King James Version used 91% of William Tyndale's translation. And so pervasive was Tyndale's impact not only on the church and on the Bible and on England, but English as well, that scholars have found that in the writings of Shakespeare, He uses words, syntax, and phrases over 5,000 times that came from William Tyndale. Because Tyndale felt a calling upon his life 
and determined to see that through faithfully, regardless of the circumstances. And he was thorough, immovable, and consistent in that response. And we sit under the shade of his life today, hundreds of years later. So I want to be faithful. I wrote down a few things that I want to be faithful at. I want to be faithful in my relationship to other people. I want to be faithful to the opportunities to do good that God brings my way. I want to be faithful to the values that the Lord has placed in my heart from the scripture. I want to be faithful to those for whom God has given me a responsibility. I want to be faithful to grow personally. I want to be faithful to my calling. And I believe everyone in this room has some redemptive calling. Faithful to my calling and not be distracted from it. And I want to be faithful to the message of my life. And the faithfulness we receive from the Lord, we experience in our heart and we extend to other people. And that kind of person, that kind of person gives life to others. And I believe that's what the Lord wants to say to us this morning. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes as we finish up. As we wait for just a moment with our head bowed and eyes closed, would you allow the Lord to magnify what he wants to say to you today? It might arise from something I said. It might come from a scripture verse that you heard today. But it just as likely may come from the Holy Spirit who using your open heart and this setting wants to say something to give you life this morning. Would you let the Lord magnify that? And then would you find in your spirit a yes you find in your spirit a yes to what the Lord is saying to you. We're going to wait for a moment as you talk to the Lord. Father, in this room, in this room, some of us are experiencing unexpected change, uncertainty, and adversity. We need the unchangeable God. We want to be part of the unchangeable, unshakable kingdom. Take that word of life that you've given to each of us individually, cement it into our heart. Give us the capacity to extend it out to others. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. 
We hope this time has allowed you to dig out more of who God has made you to be. If you made some kind of spiritual decision today and are interested in what's next, we'd love to connect with you. For more information or to get in touch, please visit journeyweb.net. If you're interested in supporting our ministry, you can give online at journeyweb.net slash give. Thanks.